There's only one road into Key West, but you won't believe where it can take you. Travel back in time to a city rich with history. Discover amazing artists and musicians. Taste seafood fresh off the boat, or just kick back and soak up the island vibe. For more about Key West, visit flakeys.com. Key West, close to perfect, far from normal. When you visit Arizona, time is measured in moments, not minutes. Like the moment your work stress disappears as you kayak through the canyons. Or the moment you discover the life-changing effects of prickly pear chocolate. But nothing beats the moment you see the Grand Canyon for the very first time. Visit a new state of mind. Learn more at hereyouareaz.com. Let's join Bishop Kevin J. Foreman. Let's make our confession of faith together. This is my Bible. It is the living word of God. My mind is renewed and my spirit is prepared to receive the word which produces faith. And faith pleases God. I'm not just a hearer of the word. I'm a doer of the word. This word has given me life. Y'all shout it. Hallelujah. Remain standing. Go to Ephesians chapter 4. We welcome those watching on all of our campuses today. Today is a special day because not only are we celebrating six years of harvest today, but it is, amen, but it is also the day of Pentecost today. And somebody's saying, well, what is that? When I count my pennies to see how much it costs. No, not at all. That, we'll talk about that in just a little bit. Of course, throughout the teaching today, when something speaks to you, I want you to tweet me at Bishop Foreman or go to Facebook.com slash Bishop Foreman. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11. Do you have it? Of course, I missed y'all on last week, but I heard y'all still got the word. No matter. Anyhow, amen. Touch the neighbor and say, that word was for me. Yeah, little by little, man. Little by little, man. I'm celebrating every small victory. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11. And he himself gave some, now that he himself talking about the Lord, say God. He gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors, and some teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for edifying the body of Christ. So, so let's just get a clear example. God says, I give you these gifts, but I give you these gifts so you can be equipped. Say equipped. Now, when you think of equipped, think of, think of the nicest automobile you can think of and think about adding all the options to it. You, so if you get all the options, they'll call that what? Fully equipped. Uh, see, when you have a fully equipped vehicle, it now possesses a different value than a, ve- a vehicle that's under-equipped. You didn't hear what I'm saying. So, so, so God says, I give you these gifts so that you can be fully equipped. Verse 13, till we all come to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the stature of the fullness of Christ. So he's saying, until we grow up. Look at your neighbor say, until you grow up. Got it? So he says, till we all come to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of Jesus, the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the stature of the fullness of Christ. Verse 14, that we should no longer act like kids. Got real quiet right there. That we should no longer be baby's kids. 
tossed to and fro. You know, you know how kids act. In, in one moment, they feel good. and the next moment, you don't do what they like. They act crazy with you. God says, that is not my desire for you. God says, I need you to grow up. Touch your neighbor and say, God needs you to grow up. Because as long as you're tossed to and fro, when things are going good, you're going to love you some Jesus. But when things are going bad, he won't be able to find you. Oh, my God, I wish I had somebody here. But, 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 but notice, notice, he says, no longer children tossed to and fro and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men and the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. What he's saying there is that when you've got a foundation laid on the inside of you, some crazy person can come talking about some crazy stuff. But you'll say, wait a minute, I've been taught well, and I know that what you're talking about is crazy. Y'all not hearing what I'm saying. So one of them witnesses can walk up to you. You can say, you ain't seen nobody. If they're witnesses, are you hearing what I'm saying? But look at verse 15. But speaking the truth, not a lie, not what always makes you feel great, but speaking the truth in love. Look, look, here it is again. We can grow up in all things which is in him, into him who is the head, Christ. Encourage somebody next to you, say, neighbor, today. There's a word for you. It's time to grow up. Tell him, please don't be offended because I know you think you've grown. But tell him, there's some growing up to do in all of us. Father, we thank you for your word. Speak now in this place. Do what you want to do. We commit this atmosphere to you. We commit this experience to you. We celebrate six years of what you've done here, and we celebrate this awesome day of Pentecost, the day that the Spirit came and gave the people power to do something. And so, Father, we declare that this experience, you're going to speak, you're going to move, have your way, do what you want to do, answer prayers in this experience, give people wisdom in this experience, give people clarity in this experience. We declare that after we leave this place, we shall never, ever, never be the same. And if you believe that, you ought to shout in this place. Yeah. Encourage somebody else next to you and tell them it's time to grow up, time to grow up, time to grow up, time to grow up. You can be seated. Today we celebrate, of course, as I mentioned, the day of Pentecost. That is 2,000 years ago when the Holy Spirit filled the people to empower them to be witnesses for him. Uh, oftentimes when you talk about people being filled with the Spirit, you just talk about people acting uh, what some people might consider a bit beside themselves. But the truth of the matter is being filled with the Spirit is to empower you to be a witness. Say a witness. A witness simply testifies to something that they've seen. See, what God needs you to do in your everyday life is to understand you're not just going through life so you can get some money, so you can get some possessions. You're going through life so you can be a witness, so you can testify to the goodness of God to other people that you've seen. It was on the day of Pentecost that God no longer just sealed them, but he filled them. Now, when you become a born-again believer, when you give your life to Jesus, when you pray the sinner's prayer, when you make a decision for Christ, all those things mean the same thing. When you do that, the scripture teaches us that the Holy Spirit seals you. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm sealed. And if you're not sealed, we're going to make sure you leave out of here today with a nice, big, old, beautiful seal on you. You're sealed, which means God says now he's set you apart for a special work. But then on the day of Pentecost 2,000 years ago, he didn't just seal them, but he now filled them. 
Let me give you an example. If I have an envelope, I can seal that envelope, right? But it doesn't mean that anything valuable is on the inside of that envelope. So I can lick that envelope. I can, well, you know, they got the new uh, updated ones now. You don't have to lick it. You just peel the thing. Uh, but I can lick it or peel the, little, uh, pull the adhesive strip, and I can seal it, and I can send it somewhere. The problem is, is all I did was send an empty envelope somewhere. And that's what you are when you only have salvation. You're, you're a nice-looking envelope. You're just an empty envelope. Oh, but 2,000 years ago when the Holy Spirit came and he filled the people, he now puts something valuable on the inside of them, and then he seals the value he placed on them. Touch your neighbor and say, there's value in you. Now watch this. As we look at this, in one day, on that day of Pentecost, uh, on one day, a church of 120 people that were gathered in the upper room became a church of 3,120 people. They had no sound systems. They had no internet campuses. They had no television uh, screens. They had no projectors. All they had was one man who got up and decided that he was going to declare what the word of the Lord was. I I'm here to try to tell somebody everything you think you need is sometimes not what you need. Sometimes what you need is what you already have. But the problem, I wish I had somebody here. That's your neighbor. Say, you have everything you already need to accomplish something great. It is on this day of Pentecost that is sometimes referred to as the birthday uh, of the church, of the modern church, of what some people might call the new covenant or the renewed covenant church, the church of Jesus Christ. Now, it is in this that it is no coincidence that today, say today, is the day that we are celebrating the sixth year of harvest. We're celebrating six years of over 770 or so decisions made to become Christians. We're celebrating thousands of podcasts and internet campus views. We're, we're celebrating the several tons of food that we've given. We're celebrating the thousands of families that we've served through our missions partners. We're celebrating the 250,000 hits on our website. We're celebrating the marriages that have been fixed. And we're celebrating the marriages that needed to get not right. Y'all not hear what I'm saying? We're celebrating the people that came in here with no identity, that have identity. We're celebrating the teenage girl that says, I thought I was nobody. But when I got to that place called Horvath, I found out was somebody. See, I'm here to tell you that in all of these numbers, there's a story. In all of these numbers, there's some life. Touch your neighbor say, there's some life there. That's what we're celebrating. Some, now watch this. Some of you are new to harvest. Some of you, this is your first time. Some of you, you've been here for a while. But what I want to do is get us all on the same page. Say same page. You being at harvest and me being your spiritual leader is a divine connection. You did not choose me. I know you think you did. You did not choose me. And I did not choose you. He chose us. The scripture says it pleased him to set a man over the spirits of the flesh, over the congregation. Now, he himself, Jesus, he gave you an apostle. Say apostle. Now, we just read there in Ephesians chapter 4. Stay with me. I'm going to make this make sense in just a moment. Uh, in Ephesians chapter 4, uh, we read that there were some specific things that these different gifts that God gave to people uh, that these gifts would do. One of them, it said that they would equip them to do the work of the ministry. Say, I'm equipped. To get something done. Most Christians think that once they get saved, the only thing they want to do, and I said this, I believe this past week, the only thing they want to do is arrive at death safely. That's what most people want to do. They just want to get to death safely. They don't want to have to go through a lot. They don't want to have to deal with a lot. They just want to get out of here so they can go over there. And I don't know what it exactly is they think we're going to do over there. It ain't just going to be resting all day. 
Matter of fact, over there, you don't even get to stay there. The Bible says there was a new heaven and a new earth that came down. That ain't your house. That's a whole nother story. Say, I am equipped to get something done. One of my functions is to equip you so that you can do something with what you know. I know a lot of people that know a lot, yet their life doesn't reflect what they know. Their life doesn't reflect what they know because they're not taking the equipment they've been given and doing anything with it. Now, let me give you a very practical example. Many people might complain about their body. They may say they're too skinny. They may too say they're not uh, quite skinny. Uh, you follow what I'm saying. They, they, many people complain about their bodies. But what I have discovered is there's not a shortage of gyms. There's not a shortage of gym equipment. Y'all ain't going to say nothing. Uh, you can go anywhere now. If you rent an apartment anywhere in this place now, you're able to go, and they've got a workout room you can use 24 hours a day. And it is amazing to me, though, that many people don't take advantage of the equipment that they've got in the room. Yet they complain about their lives even though there's a room full of equipment. I'm here to tell you you're in a church full of equipment, and you've got a man of God that's giving you equipment, but you've got to use the equipment. Touch your neighbor's so you got to use it. Then it said, then it said, then it said to edify or to build up, which means my job is to bring out the best in you by challenging you. You understand that? My job is to bring out the best in you by challenging you. There's stuff on the inside of you that you will never, ever be able to figure out until you start taking what I'm giving you and starting to do something with it. There were people that thought they weren't gifted at administration, that all of a sudden when that gift began to be pulled out of them, all of a sudden they figured out they had new traits and new talents and new aptitudes and new gifts. It is my job to bring out the best in you. But now to do that, many times I have to challenge you because if you're not challenged, you will do what you've always been doing. And that is the reason why when you walk in these doors, you know you're going to receive encouragement, but you also know that you're going to receive something that's going to challenge you to be better. I don't know. I wouldn't want to go to no church where it's average is okay. I wouldn't want to go to no place where just getting by is okay. And I'm here to tell you that's not this house. So somebody say, that's not this house. you got to be better. Tell them you got to be better. Then it said that we no longer be children tossed to and fro back, back and forth, which means say grow up. Grow up. Say it like you mean to say grow up. Grow up. It, it means that I have to give you the tools to grow up. L listen, if, if you've been a Christian for six months, then you have an excuse to look like a baby Christian. Because you haven't been around for six months. But now if you've been in the way, you, you know, that's what they used to say in the old day. I've been in the way. And that's the problem. You've been in the way the whole time. For 10 years, 15 years, I can't talk about that. Let me talk about those that have been, you've been here for six years, and you've been sitting up under this teaching. Where is your fruit? It's real quiet in this church. You've been in here for a year. Where is your fruit? It's my job to make sure that you don't look like a baby Christian when you've been one for years and months and so on and so forth. Doesn't anybody say you got to grow up? Now, now, in addition to that, it, it says that he speak the truth in love so that they could grow up. See, a lie may bring you comfort, but the truth brings change. I'm going to say that again. A lie may bring you comfort. How do you like this? Oh, it's wonderful. It may make you feel good, but it ain't going to make you change. Got it? You're not going to grow if you're not challenged. Hear me? Because mediocrity is contagious. And mediocrity is widespread. Did you hear that? Let me, let me translate. Being average is contagious. And being average is widespread. 
That, that, that's, that's what most people, that's how most people live. They just live average, bump on the law kind of lives. And they're happy because they say, oh, I just don't want that. I don't want that. Because people think that sometimes comfort means that you're prospering. You missed what I just said. Oftentimes, it is in moments of discomfort that the greatest growth and the greatest things come out of you. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Touch your neighbor says, time to grow up. Tell them, time to grow up. Now, simply put, simply put, an apostle is a game changer. And let me translate. A game changer is one that steps into an existing game and then changes the game. It it literally means a special messenger from God. I'm going to make this very simple. Uh, The apostolic gift or that gift of the apostle, which is what you've been given uh, through me, uh, it is a grace to be a spiritual father. It is a grace to be a foundation builder. Literally, the apostle was the foundation builder. It was the foundation layer. Now, the most important part of any structure is not what you can see. It's the foundation that's laid beneath the ground. Did you hear what I just said? That is the most important part of any structure because you can have this big, beautiful, opulent building, but if there's no strong foundation, I'm here to tell you that beautiful building is coming down. And one of my assignments is to build a foundation in you. So even when it starts getting rough and windy in your life, because there's a foundation built on the inside of you, you'll look at your storm and say, you must not know about me. Man, I'm not built to break. I'm not going down under this. Why? Because there's a strong foundation on the inside of me. The gift of the apostle, it identifies and activates other gifts. And there are many other things, but these are the basics. Now, I I, want to, remember, I prefaced this, but I want to get us all on the same page. Say same page. I was, uh, I I, want to tell you about how I I received this call from God. Can I just talk to you for just a moment? I'll preach you real good in about 10 minutes, but just give me about five minutes to just talk to you for a moment. Are you here? All of my life, I knew that I had a very unique connection with God, and I knew that I was called to do great things for Jesus, and I fought it for as long as I could trying to hide because I had found that, that it was uh, seemingly easy to hide. Uh, I, I hid behind my other gifts and hid behind my other talents because I just was determined. I said, God, I don't want to be no pastor. I don't want to be no pastor to pastors. I don't want to be, I don't want to do that. I said, because then people are crazy. And when I mean them people, I mean everybody in the earth but me. That's what I was talking about. You know what I'm so I'm telling you my story now. I, I, I said, God, because, see, I knew about the front side of the ministry. Oh, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, people shouting and people being blessed and people singing and receiving the word. But I knew about something that's not talked about, which was the backsides of the ministry. I knew how you had to spend time with people and the same people you pray for the most and spend the most time with would be the same people that would turn around and act crazy with you and act brand new with you and betray you. The same. Am I talking to anybody that's ever had to deal with that? So imagine, imagine you've had to deal with that, but it's my job to deal with that. So I knew about that. So I said, God, I'm happy just over here doing my thing. I'm not interested in that. I don't want to do that. I have no desires. I don't have no desires for that. And, and of course, God has his own plan. Are you hearing what I'm saying? You got your plans, and God looks at that many times, and he laughs and says, that's cute. That is so cute. Look at what they're doing. That is, oh, bless their heart. One night, one night, long story short, one night after a car accident some years ago that, that almost took my life, I received an audible call uh, from God. When you look in Scripture, it, it's very few times that God himself spoke audibly. And when he did it, he was always normally speaking to those that he would use as leaders in his church or leaders in society in some sphere. And, and what's interesting about that car accident is that I didn't hit anything. 
but watch this, but it looked like claws had went into the side of my car. I, I, I didn't hit anything except the curb, but it looked like claws had gone through the side of my car. And, and, and I remember getting out of that car and thinking to myself, this was an all-out, full-fledged attack from Satan. I said, what is it about me that would make it so that something had to happen here to where if I didn't hit nothing, yet it looks like the side of my car was completely uh, clawed through. Are y'all still here? That accident was on East Yale Avenue. Just the other end of this street here. Yeah, I'm going to help somebody here in a moment. So it's no coincidence that God would have placed us here on East Shell Avenue on the same street where he called me to be an apostle to birth out harvest. Oh, my God. I wish I had somebody that could connect dots here. That night, I opened the word because, I mean, I, I remember thinking, this, this is crazy. This is, this is uh, you got to be joking. And I remember opening the word that night, and I looked at the Bible, and I read two lines that the apostle Paul had wrote, and that's what God said to me. He said it audibly. He said, that's what you are. Now, I was not in a church at the time where I was taught well, but I was still faithful to that house. And every assignment I found myself in thereafter because I knew that if I was faithful with another man's vision, you didn't hear what I just said. I knew more than the one that was teaching me, but I knew that if I was faithful to another man's vision, that God would be able to trust me with my own. Long story short, I made sure I was educated theologically, academically, and spiritually. And the truth of the matter was, is, is I heard what God said, but the truth is, is I, you know, I kind of heard it. You know how you hear it, but, but you kind of hear it. I heard it, and I said, okay, God, that's wonderful. Oh, an apostle, oh, that's so beautiful. Oh, yes, I'm going to change lives. Oh, that is wonderful. But, I, you know, I heard it. But, I, you know, I didn't hear it all the way. Now, I still took steps to prepare, but I'm just thinking, God, there's some way we're going to work a deal here, and I'm not going to have to do this. That there's some way we're going to work a deal here. But, but I knew, watch this, I knew that I had to prepare based on the word I had received. See, 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 many people say, oh, just what is the Lord saying? Bishop, what is the Lord saying? Bishop, what is the Lord saying? Bishop, what is God's word to me? The word to you is do something with the words you already have. A lot of people, many times when they come, they come, especially during times of dunamis and things like this. Bishop, is there a word from the Lord for me? Yes. Do something with the last word I gave you. What's the point I'm trying to make? I had received that word from God. And even though I was kind of teeter-tottering on whether or not I planned on fully executing the word, I knew enough to know I needed to prepare based on the word that I had received. See, if the word comes and says that you've got to be debt free, you can't just sit back and say, well, the Lord's going to do it. No, you got to now prepare to see debt freedom in your life. Are you hearing what I'm saying? If I declare that we're in a season of favor and you're going to see God's favor like you've never seen it before, and you say, I received that, that's my word, that's great, but now you need to prepare and do something with that word. Are y'all getting what I'm saying? Touch your neighbor and say, you must prepare, you must prepare. You must prepare. I, I was given authority not just from God to operate apostolically or from that gift, but I received that confirmation obviously from men as well. It is not enough to say the Lord called me. You need some other men that the Lord called to confirm what God has called you to do. I just said something right there. 
It's a lot of self-appointed preachers and a lot of self-appointed pastors and a lot of self-appointed bishops and a lot of self-appointed this, that, and the other. I think we're going to have popes after a while. They're going to start running for pope. A lot of self-appointed authority, but it's important that not only does God call you, but it's important that men that God has also called affirm and confirm that. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Now, I'm going somewhere. Touch your neighbor and say, he's going somewhere. I told you, I just want to talk to you for about five minutes. I, 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 often when I travel, and, and, and every time I come in contact with prophetic people, prophetic just deals with seers and hearers. And so they would always ask me this question. They would say to me, Bishop, why haven't you accepted the fullness of your apostolic call? Now, when I say apostolic, I'm just talking about the call of the what? Apostle. And I just kind of gave you a little explanation. I've taught it on detail before about what an apostle is and what an apostle does. And, 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 and it's amazing because every time I talk to one, they sit and they try to get real close to me and say, Bishop. I say, yes. <laughs> uh, so why haven't you accepted the fullness of your apostolic call? I'm thinking, what are you talking about? I'm doing the work. I got the fruit. God is changing a community. God is changing a region right here from the Gadong International Center on East Yale Avenue where I received my apostolic call. See, it was just like Paul. See, Paul, God knocked Paul off of an animal, and he knocked him down. He had an accident, and he called him to be an apostle. It is often in your mess that God will give you your call. It is often in your worst moment that God will start speaking to you about destiny. It is often in your worst moment where you are in the middle of a mess where God will start speaking to you about your future. You know why he does that? Because you can't fall off the floor. You didn't hear what I just said. God says, I got to get you when you're at your lowest level because you can't go no lower than that. So I got to talk to you when you're willing to listen because you don't have all this other stuff going on. Are you still here? And so, and so they would ask me this question. And, and literally in the last two years, I, I've been asked this question at, at least a half a dozen times. And for many of them, I'd ask, I'd say, well, what do you mean? And for many of them, it was the use of the title apostle. And that was not my conviction to, to move into that direction. But in the last few weeks, say few weeks, God has made their question very clear to me. See, when you keep hearing the same thing from, from multiple different people that don't know one another, you ought to pay some kind of attention to it. Uh, whether it's God or whether it's the enemy, you ought to pay some kind of attention to it. Everybody that's talking to you can't be wrong. It's real quiet in the church right there. Now, I, 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 God told me, I, you can't tell you what God told me? The Lord, the Lord had a come to Jesus meeting with me. And I said, God, I'm doing the work. I'm raising up a kingdom church, a church of kings and priests. And we're transforming our community and we're staying out of debt to do it. Yes, we could go and get a big, huge building. And, but then we got to have 14 offerings every service just to get the building paid. I said, so we're just going in the same route, God. We're just doing it another way. He said, all of that is wonderful. And I said, yes, God, I'm raising up sons. I said, yes, I've had to deal with some Judas and some Judai. I said, but I'm still raising up. I said, I've not abandoned it. And God said, this is what he said to me. He said, you have become negative. I'll tell you what he told me now. I'm telling you this, so for all of you who think that you, you, all is good. He said, you've been negative about your assignment. And you've been a complainer about your assignment in this region. Now, that was perplexing to me because I'm normally Jesus' go-to guy. I'm the guy that when he needs to get something done in the city and, and they don't know who else to call, that this is who we call. Do you understand that? 
but I had slipped into negativity and I wasn't even aware of it. And when I look back now, I say, oh, God, I didn't even see it because I would say things to y'all like, well, if I was somewhere else, they'd be shouting. And while that's true, I don't want to negate the truthfulness of what I would say. God said, you have become negative. Can I, can I be real honest with y'all? No, y'all, okay, never mind. No, 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 no. No, no, no. God said, you had become negative and you become a complainer. God said, I set you in a region. I, God said, I know them people don't go to church there. He said, I know them people don't love me there. He said, that's why I sent you. Not y'all specifically. I'm talking about the region. He, he said, that's why I sent you. I needed a game changer in the region that would reach people not just from other churches. Because, see, that's easy. That's easy to swap sheep and recycle saints. That's easy. He said, I needed you to go and birth some people into me that didn't know anything about me. I needed you to reach some Roman Catholics who, who had never confessed Christ. I needed you to reach some atheists who thought they'd never served me. I needed you to reach some ex-drug heads and some ex-poster. I needed you to reach some people that would never go anywhere else, but they'll hear you because when you speak, they hear realness in what you say, and they hear authenticity in what you say. And God said, he said, he said, okay, I'm, uh, okay. He, 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 he said, you have become negative and you have begun to complain about your assignment. And so I would look around and I, and I just, I just complain. I tell it to Jesus. I wouldn't tell it to nobody. I was telling the Lord, but he said, you slipped into negativity and you weren't even aware of it. So I repented to God. That means I changed directions. And I said, God, I repent to you for my negativity. The reason many things in this region frustrate me is because I'm the one that's been sent to change the stuff. Let me help you understand something. You want to find out what you're supposed to do? Whatever frustrates you is the problem you're supposed to fix. If you find something that frustrates the mess out of you, that's because you're supposed to get a message from that and you're supposed to begin to change that. We don't sit back and complain about it. What we do is say we're getting ready to go in there and change it. We're getting ready to go in there and reform it. Stop complaining. Start doing something. And I thought, I, and I was, I was doing something. But God said, you let this negativity get in here. And God said, you didn't even, you, you, it, it snuck in there. It was a stealth, you understand? It snuck in there. And you didn't even realize some of the things you were saying came across. God said, when I heard it, I thought you were complaining. And God said, when I heard it, I thought you were being negative. So I repented to God. And, 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 and watch this. Let me make this declaration. I love my city. I love the people in this region that we're called to change. I may even start liking snow. Now, I'm working on that one. He didn't tell me I had to do that. So now I do what I'm told. He didn't tell me I had to like snow. Now, watch this. I am called to change the world. But my current assignment is in Denver. I am an Ezekiel that's sent here to raise up an army from a valley of dry bones. The word Denver literally means valley. And if you, if you search out the etymology of it, it means a valley that was once green. 
which means, in essence, it's the same thing. If you go to Ezekiel 37, I don't have time to go there. You can write it down. Look in your own time. In Ezekiel chapter 37, it is when God speaks to the man man of God, and he says, Ezekiel, can these dry bones live? And Ezekiel's a wise man because he says, God, only you know. (laughs) Got it? God has sent us here, Harvest. Hear me. You are sent here because there's a valley of dry bones around us. 95 plus percent of people live in this region do not serve Jesus. The 5 percent that do, hear me, that's not just Christians. That's inclusive of Jews and Muslims. That's the three major religions. Only 5 percent of people live in this region or church. We are here because we're supposed to change that. Did you hear what I just said? We are here because we're supposed to change that. God, I wish I had somebody that could get that. I'm an Ezekiel sent here to raise up an army from a valley of dry bones. Can I just remind you of what this vision is? We exist to totally lead people to totally love God and love people and love life as one church in global locations, which means not just Aurora, but it means Park Hill. Not just Park Hill, but it means Colorado Springs. Not just the Springs, but it, but it means Pueblo. Not just Pueblo. Are, are you getting this? You don't just come to church. The scripture teaches that you are the church. And God did not set us here to take sides, but baby, he set us here so that we could take I just need to know if I have any takeover people in this place. I need to know if I got some people that say, Bishop, I'm ride or die with you. Whatever we got to do, whatever we got to do, however we got to get it done, we're going to get it done. Touch your neighbor and say, sure, you're right. Now look at here. Now, we talked about me, but now it's time for us to talk about you. I know y'all enjoyed that. Now it's time to talk about you. Romans 8.19 says this. They're going to put it on the screens for you. For the earnest expectation of the creation, it means the world, eagerly waits for the revealing of sons. Got it? The world is waiting. Say, the world is waiting on me to mature to a son. Isn't that what it says? For the earnest expectation, you you, uh, uh, study it out, the earnest expectation, the world, creation, is waiting eagerly, which means it's like double dutch. They're sitting on the edge just waiting. Would somebody please do something? Would some of these people please listen to what this man is preaching and do something with it? The world says, we're waiting on y'all. So often people in church are thinking, oh, that world, that world, that world. No, the world says, we're waiting on y'all. Show us some love. Show us an example. Stop telling us everything you're against and start telling us what you're for. That's why that's one of our core values. We're not going to be known for what we're against. We're going to be known for what we're for because Jesus was known for what he's for. Creation is waiting. Say the world is waiting on me. Now, well, now, there's four kind of people that come to church. Remember, I'm getting us all on the same page. Some of you know this. First is what? Multitude people. Multitude people come for what they can get. They come when they can or when they want. They want a show. Did you hear what I said? Now, let me just parenthetically and say this. I know some people are thinking, well, I can't come on time because I work. Yeah, but did you watch online, though? I know work and other things happen, but, but, but do you make it a priority to come into the place where you're receiving your equipment? Are you hearing what I'm saying? Multitude people, they want to show. You give them a good show, they're going to be there. Now, they're not going to participate. They're going to put $2 in the basket. 
and they're going to talk about everything the whole way. Well, why was it so warm in there? And why, was it just and why did he have on that cream robe? I mean, why? why yeah. That's multitude people. So if you're thinking that kind of stuff, you multitude. You know exactly where you're at. And guess what? We still love you. You ain't getting me a negativity. You understand what I'm saying? No, no. I'm not having that conversation with the Lord again. That's what multitude people come for. They come for a show. But they didn't sing my favorite songs. That's why I didn't stand up during the music. Because I didn't, you know, I didn't, you know, I didn't really. And what was that song, The Great I Am? I don't know that. And when are you supposed to clap? Where's the clap beat on that one? I was just rocking. I don't know what it is. It's quiet in here. That's what multitude people come for. I know y'all were thinking that because it was a little different beat. You're trying to figure out the clap. Y'all need to show them where to clap. You understand? But then, then there's something greater than And see, here's the thing with multitude. Multitudes don't mean success. Matter of fact, many times multitudes can mean, hear me, multitudes can mean something's wrong. What do you mean by that? Jesus had multitudes when they thought they were going to get something from him. But when he started teaching, they got up and left. As long as there was a free lunch, Jesus had multitudes. When Jesus started saying, you got to eat my blood and drink my flesh, he was talking about communion, but they thought he was talking about cannibalism. All of a sudden, people, oh, well, I didn't know about all that. I came for the healing. Where's the healing? I came for the breakthrough. Where's the breakthrough? So even Jesus was able to understand the purpose of multitudes. The purpose of multitudes many times are, are to, are, well, I won't get into that today. The purpose of multitudes is they have a very specific purpose uh, in, in, in a form of validation when you get into uh, uh, people making mass decisions. See, many people feel better about their decision when someone else makes the same decision. So you'll get something, and then you'll call somebody and say, well, what do you think? Oh, you got, oh, okay, good. I feel good. Well, it ain't their money. So who cares if they liked it or not? Can we be honest? We've all done that. We've all done that. So that's the purpose of multitude. Multitude normally helps people get cosigners. But, but, but then the next thing, there's multitude. Then what's that after that? Sheep. Now, sheep need a shepherd. Uh, the shepherds, and I've taught you this several times, the shepherd would have the shepherd's staff, and at the end there was a hook on the end, and at the bottom it was very firm because sheep, the thing about sheep is they couldn't see very well, but they thought they could. Sheep didn't have good vision, but, but watch this, because they always had bad vision, their bad vision had now become good vision because it's the only vision they knew. You, you didn't hear what I just said. Rewind. Sheep did not see well. Yet, and still do not today, literally, in the natural. But they thought they had good vision because the bad vision they had for so long, but since it was all they knew, they thought it was good vision. Did you catch what I just said? And so what happens is, as God says, for you to become a sheep, in Scripture, you see the relationship often between a pastor and a congregation. You see that uh, typified in the form of a shepherd and a sheep and, a, and the sheep. And with this relationship, the shepherd would often use the end to snatch a sheep back. This is where Jesus says he's the good shepherd, and, and he'll leave the 99 to get to one. He leaves the 99 to get to one. Uh, 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 an, an earthly shepherd has to stay with the 99 and let the one. Well, why, I wasn't there. Why didn't nobody call me? It's real quiet in church. Well, I, okay, all right. And the bottom of the shepherd's staff, it was very firm. Remember I told you that? Because the shepherd would use it when the sheep would run away. And the shepherd would catch him. The shepherd would get him and be like, what are you doing, man? Didn't I tell you to stand over here? Bye, bye. You know, they just start whining. And you understand? They start giving a bunch of excuses. You know what I'm saying? You know how you used to be when you first came to Harvest and you had a bunch of excuses? Well, where you been? Bye, bye. I said, bye. 
So the shepherd would take the bottom of his staff and he boop, he'd break the legs of the sheep. And he said, I told you not to move. Now you can't move. Sit there until you learn to stay in line. What's the point I'm trying to make? What do legs represent? Your will. When you finally have broken your will and you say, God, it's not my will, but it's your will, which means, God, I may want to go left, but if you tell me to go right, I got to go right. Then you've graduated to the level of a sheep because your legs have been broken. Anybody ever had God break your legs? Normally, he'll break your legs, and sometimes he has to break them a few times. And sometimes he'll leave you with a little bit of a limp so that you don't, I'm serious. He left Jacob with a little bit of a limp. He broke Jacob's uh, 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 hip. He dislocated his hip. So his hip was out of socket. And God said, I I will heal that, but I will never take away the limp. God said, because if I take away the limp, you'll forget all of what it cost you. So sometimes God will leave something in your life that's not quite all the way the way you wish it was. Because God says, I need you to remember that if you get out of line, I will break them legs. Are you hearing what I'm saying? The good news, though, is that when he breaks your legs, that's because he's setting you up to graduate to the next level. The next level is that of a servant. Now, servants don't come for what they can get. Servants come for what they can give. So a servant will come in and see something wrong and not complain. Bye, bye. That's what sheep do. A servant will come in and say, well, I know how to fix it. A servant will come in and say, well, why we did this? Why we did this? No, no, no. A servant says, I know how to fix it. Can I fix it? A servant says, because I'm here for what I can give. A servant says, because I want to see more decisions made for Jesus. A, a servant says, because I want to see more lives change. And I, if I want to see what happened for me happen for somebody else. So a servant says, it doesn't matter how long it's going to take me to get the job done. A servant says, I just got to get her done. A, a servant says, whatever it takes, whatever it takes. And that's good to become a servant. Jesus says, the greatest among you shall be your servants. Got it? See, there's, there's two people that, 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 that have all access to a building. Got it? The CEO and the janitor. You didn't hear what I just said. See, a lot of times people think, oh, well, I'm not the servant type. Well, then you're not the great type. Because the great type is a serving type. Because while you may look like it's a lowly role, only one other person in the whole establishment has all the keys. Did you hear what I just said? That's the owner and the janitor. And so people may look at the janitor and think, oh, he's just picking up trash. Oh, he's just doing that. But the janitor's thinking, yeah, but I got access to everything. I've got some keys. That's good to be a servant, but that's, but God's ultimate goal is for you to become a son and or daughter. Got it? So when I say son, ladies, don't be thinking, well, what does that mean? Got it. Sons or daughters, sheep have a shepherd, servants have a master, multitude have an entertainer, sons or daughters have a father. Now, I've taught on this extensively. I just want to make it very simple for today's teaching. Sons and daughters are committed to the family business. We 
which means all of us and all of us on all of our campuses. We are in the business of changing lives. That's our family business. See, 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 every father, every father, uh, truth be, whether it's spoken or unspoken, every father uh, that is worth any weight and salt, every father wants his sons to be able to carry on the legacy he began. That's how the scripture says, a good man leaves an inheritance for his children and, and to his children's children. Because, because a father that, that is thinking generationally and thinking about legacy, a father says, well, I don't want you to have to deal with the same issues and problems I dealt with. At the same time, I'm not just going to give you everything. Because remember, it's in the struggle that you get an appreciation. It's when something costs you something that you appreciate it. Are you hearing what I'm saying? God's ultimate goal is for you to become a son or daughter. Watch this. To where you are fully committed to the family business. That's God's ultimate goal. Now, watch this. You fall. In one of those four categories today. Now, the truth is, can I be honest? Most people overestimate where they think they fall. So, so I just want to caution you because some of you are thinking, oh, oh okay, that's cool. I'm, I'm on the fourth level. Because you think that about everything you do. <laughs> yeah, 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 you know people like that, that everything they do, they get on the game. They never played the game before. I'll put it on advance. You don't know how to play. I'm going to put it on the fourth level. No, I, I learned a long time. Put that on easy. Put it on extra easy. Matter of fact, it'll build my faith when I beat it. Well, we'll move up to hard after a while, but right now I just need to beat the thing. That's God's ultimate goal. Now watch this, watch this, watch this, watch this. Uh, my discouragement that comes in ministry, um, and today we're celebrating six years. That's why we're having this dialogue. Am I helping anybody? My discouragement uh, as, as, a, as a man of God and as, as a spiritual father that was birthing sons and daughters, etc., was seeing time that I invested in, uh, in many people seemingly be wasted. And with certain sons and daughters, and not just sons and daughters, but members and, and general and so on and so forth, all four of those levels, it, 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 I'm the kind of person, I like results. I'm a results kind. Anybody else like that? I was a... I hear all that flapping, flapjacks, and, you know, pancake house, and I hop and all that. I hear all that. But I want to see some results. That's how I'm built. That's how I'm built. That's, that's, that's how I'm built. You understand? Get me to the bottom line, you know. A lot of people like to, to fly around the airport. Land me on the ground. I don't need to see, that. I don't need to see all that. I can look at a map if I want to see all that. Just land my plane. And, 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 and i got to be honest, many times there would be discouragement that would come because as a pastor, as an apostle, as all these things, my goal is to see people's lives transform. I get the greatest joy, whether it's hundreds or thousands or, or whether it's one. I cannot describe to you the joy that comes into my life. I mean, I'm telling you, I, I'm on cloud nine. I'm telling you, I, I, I got a whole, I'm on cloud 48. You understand what I'm saying? But there would be discouragement that would come because I would say, look at all this time I've invested in. Look at all this time I've put in and look at what I got for it. Not that I did it so I could get something, but I wanted to see some fruit in their lives. And, but I heard a story last week that, that, that perhaps uh, was one of the greatest stories I've heard in the last few months. 
I was uh, in a church ministering, and, and uh, my translator, I was, uh, they, French was the, one of the first languages, and so my translator, and he did a good job, too. I mean, he, that boy was translating. I mean, I was preaching hard, and that boy was translating, and he, you know, and he's doing it in French, and so, you know, yo, do, 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 you know, and all this here, bienvenue, you know what I'm saying, and all that. I said, God, dog, boy, you, 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 you translate. And he was translating, and, and, and after the message, he, he, he ran to me, and he said, Bishop, I just, I just have to tell you, He's, he, he said, he said, he talked about the message and how some things had spoken to him. But he said, I, I, I'm so blessed to see a, another father because his, his pastor, they, he, they both flow in the same apostolic and kingdom and all of these things. And he said, I'm so blessed to see another father. He said, I was so, he said, I, I feel so bad sometimes. And he started telling me a story. He said, because this man of God, he said, he, he's not just my spiritual father. He said, he taught me everything I know about anything. He said, this man taught me how to live. And I said, he raised, he said, exactly, he raised me. He said, he raised a grown man. He, he said, Bishop, he said, Bishop, I didn't know how to eat. He said, I would just take a fork and stab it in, into the food. He said, I was on so many different drugs, and I was, I was, I, I was an abuser, abuser to my wife. I was physically abusive to her. And he said, and I, but, but watch this. He said, but I had grown up in church, and he said, I was a leader in church. And he said, and I went to Bible school, and I knew all of these things, and I came into this environment. And he said, and all of a sudden, God began to break me. And he said, but I resisted. The man of God trying to help me. He said, I resisted him for so long. He said, I could preach to you about what he was trying to do for me. I just wouldn't let him do it for me. He said, I could teach somebody else about, about becoming, uh, maturing and growing. He said, I could teach somebody else about it. But he said, but I, 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 I couldn't do it myself. And he said, I wasted years fighting him. And he said, and yet this other guy who came in and didn't know anything about Jesus came in, and he picked it up and got it right away. He said, this, this isn't just something that changed my life. He said, I didn't own a business. And he said, I learned how to be a business owner. He said, he said my entire life has been transformed. He said, but I feel very bad, he said, because for my, uh, 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 for my leader, for my spiritual leader, he said, because I fought him all those years. Because, watch this, unlearning is the hardest form of learning. Did you hear that? It is easier to teach someone that knows nothing rather than to teach someone who thinks they know something. And so he's sharing his story and he's sharing his story. And all of a sudden I begin to get uh, such a joy and a jubilance in my spirit because now I'm saying, my God, yes, there have been Judas. And yes, there have been prodigals. But this man has given me hope. That if he could come to his right mind, if he could come to his right mind, if God could do it for this guy who was a wife abuser, a drug user, who could preach it to you but couldn't do it himself, if God could do it for this young man, I thought to myself, well, then God can do that for anybody. Touch your neighbor say, there is hope. Touch your neighbor say, there is hope. Touch them say, there is hope. Most people, and I'm through, do not arrive at defeat at one day. They've been headed there for years. And that's why God sent you here to harvest. He sent you here because it is time for you to step not only into purpose, but to step into assignment. It is time for you. The world is waiting on you. And not just, hear me, not just in the church. 
I said, the world's waiting on you. There's seven sectors. Come on, kingdom people. There's seven areas out there that you're supposed to be affecting. Arts and entertainment. Can the church raise up some models and some entertainers and, and some people that, that, that can affect society out there? Everybody wants to be used in here, but I'm here to tell you, your greatest gift is going to be used out there. Well, the church can raise up some business people and the church can raise up some government people and the church can affect those seven societal spheres of arts and entertainment. Come on, say it with me. Family, media, spirituality, business, education, government. We got all seven, right? Are y'all still here? Are you still here? Now, 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 watch this, watch this. Some people's lives look the way they do because they're not really doers. They're just hearers. I say, go buy the CD, and 10 people do. And no wonder you're catching the kind of hell you're catching because you're trying to take an open note test with no notes. It just got real quiet right there. Now, hear me. I'm going to change the world. That's not arrogant. That's just confident in what God's told me to do. I am going to change the world. When I leave up out of here, you better believe they're going to know me. When I leave up out of here, you better believe they're going to read about me. I'm going to change the world. My question is, who's with me? If you ain't with me, keep your seat. Keep your seat. That's cool. God bless you. You can keep being average, but I'm changing the world. I said, I'm changing the world. I said, I'm changing the world. Watch this, watch this, very quickly, watch this, watch this. If you're serious about changing the world, you can be seated very quickly. I wanted to get this last part. I went a little longer in the teaching today, but I think I helped somebody. I think I helped a couple of y'all. If you're serious about changing the world, we have to start with our own Jerusalem sometimes. You can't change the world until you change your region. You can't change your region until you change your city, but you can't change your city until you change yourself. And today, the day, the truth is, on this day of Pentecost and on this six-year celebration, the truth is, is that many of you, you, you're needing to repent. Just like I had to repent to God for my negativity, even though I didn't know I was being negative. I thought I was just stating the facts. Many times, though, stating the facts is, is exactly that, being negative. Darkness doesn't need you to tell it it's dark. You sure is dark out there. Darkness doesn't need you to do that. It knows what it is. And many of you, that's what you need to do today. So my challenge for you is threefold, and I want you to hear me. I didn't want to say this very uh, uh, excitedly because I want you to hear me. My challenge is you, to you today is threefold. First thing is you need to get involved. The world is waiting on you. Got it? What's the next step to get involved? We say it every week. Step one, love God. Step two, love people. Step three, love life. And it's easy as one, two, three. Some of you need to check your communique and be here for the next session of KLU. That's the first place to start. How are you going to affect society and you don't even know what you're supposed to do out there? How are you going to affect arts and entertainment and you don't even know what you're supposed to do out there? KLU is the next step you need to take. Some of you watch this. You completed KLU. You are a KLU supergraduate. But you ain't doing nothing. Do something. Now, listen, if you don't want to do nothing, that's fine. You don't do nothing. But my challenge to you is, if you really want to see God's greatest and best in your life, do something. In the South, we got a saying. It's called, shake something, do something, move something. You need to shake something, do something, move something. Say that to your neighbor. Let's, let's tell them you need to shake something, do something, move something. 
<laughs> now, see, watch this. Now, I'm not being negative, but Denver people, when y'all say my stuff, y'all said, shake something, do something, move something. No, shake something, do something, move something. Do it with me. Shake something, do something, move something. Okay, we're working on it. See, I'm not complaining. I'm just, just saying. Here's the next part of the challenge, because some of you have done that. Here's the next part of the challenge. Come prepared to learn and grow, not see a show. Did you hear that? Some of you come in here with no notepad, no Bible, and that's cool because we're in the 21st century, but you don't even have a smartphone. You got jitterbug. You can't even get on the Internet. You wouldn't go to college and pay thousands and thousands of dollars that you're going to be paying off for the remainder. <laughs> and not go with something to write with. Oh, I'm just going to remember it. You'd be taking all kinds of notes. You'd have notes on your hand, notes on your elbow. you have notes everywhere. Come prepared to learn and grow. This is an equipping station. Yes, it's a hospital, and yes, it's all those things. But this is an equipping station so you can get your equipment so you can stop looking like uh, uh, Urkel in the spirit. And yes, you did do that. You don't need to be looking like Urkel in the spirit. In the spirit, you need to look like Zeus, man. You need a situation roll up on you. You're like, I ain't even worried about it. Bishop told me God's got this. So you need to look like Zeus in the spirit. Come prepared to learn and grow, not just to see a show. Last part of my challenge, shift to the next level of maturity today. Shift today. So if you're multitude, I want to ch- shift into being a sheep today. Do it today. Do it today. If, if you're a sheep, shift into being a servant. Do it today. If you're a servant, shift into the mindset of a son. Do it today. Tim said, well, what do I do next? There's a bunch of teachings already. I can't teach the whole kitten caboodle. I just need you to shift. Touch your neighbor say shift. Tell them shift. Tell them shift. So today is really, yes, we're celebrating six years since our first experience, but in my spirit today and in, in my, my mind, today is really the first worship experience we've ever had. Did you hear what I said? Today in my mind, it's, it's the first, uh, another one in just a few moments, it's, it's the first that we've ever had. Hello church. I'm the most reverend doctor. <laughs> I am. That's my little title. It's the most reverend doctor. I'm Bishop Foreman, and God sent me here to change your city. I love your city. Your city is nice and clean. We're going to pray that these people become nicer. We're going to get them. Hello. God sent me here. And harvest, we got a lot of work to do. But you hear me and you hear me well. Watch what God begins to accelerate for us over these next few weeks. And as he accelerates stuff for your, your church, he's going to accelerate things in your life. Did you hear what I just said? There's some stuff that was set up. I'm prophesying to somebody. There was some stuff that was set up to take you 20 years. I'm here to tell you, if you'll shift, somebody shout shift. If you'll shift to the next level of maturity today, I'm going to tell you God is going to expedite some things in your life. And it won't be 20 years. I'm going to tell you for some of you it's going to be 20 days before the month of June is out. You're going to see some stuff happening in your life. Your children are going to be serving God with all of their heart. 
bills that you didn't think you'd be able to pay off. I'm telling you, God's getting ready to accelerate it. If you'll just shift, somebody shout shift. Everybody stand with me. So, hello. I'm Bishop Foreman. In October, I'll be celebrating, what is it? I get it mixed up. What is it? 15 years since I've been in the ministry. No, no I'm, just, I'm just introducing myself. No, I'm just introducing myself. Hello. How you doing? I'm here to change this city. I'm here to see that homelessness on 16th Street is gone. I'm here to see that people with HIV and AIDS are healed of that. I'm here to see that there's no young man in this community and no young woman in this community doesn't have somewhere to go where it's a positive and encouraging environment to where they're not just coming to play games and play basketball, but they're coming to learn how to do business and they're learning skills. That's what I'm sent here to do. I'm sent here to change this region. So I hope you'll join me on this journey. I'm going, and I'd like for you to come with me. If you don't come, God will give me somebody else. But I really would like it if you'd come with me. You're going to come with me. We're going to do this thing together. Jesus, we love you. We thank you today. We honor you today. We bless you today. This is the day you have made. We thank you for the great future in store for Harvest. So today is, I guess, kind of the six-in-one celebration, and that is really the first in my mind. Because for the first time in this assignment you've given me, I'm committed to no negativity and no complaining. I'm going to do what I'm sent here to do, and that's what we're going to do as a church. I said, that's what we're going to do as a church. They're going to know about us. And the only ways that they'll be able to do anything, they, they, they won't be able to say, well, I, I, I don't go there because I don't know. The only thing they'll be able to say is I just don't go because I don't want to hear truth. But they're going to know. Every household's going to know. Every business is going to know. They're going to know that there's a kingdom church here full of people that God is using to change the world and to change Denver. So today, very quickly, if you're here and you don't know Jesus, today I want to give you an invitation to know Jesus because that's the first step you got to take. If you're not a believer in Jesus, today's your day. And maybe secondly, you're here and you've given your life to Jesus, but you've not been faithful in serving him. Guess what? Today is your day to get those things back on track. God loves you. He's not mad at you. He's got open arms for you. And there's a church full of people that got open arms for you too. Oh, but Bishop, you don't know about my issues. Can I be honest with you? I really don't care because I know a Jesus that can deal with those issues. And so today, today, if either one of those is you need to become a believer or rededicate yourself to Jesus, there's no judgment, there's no condemnation. Come as you are. But guess what? Don't plan on staying that way. Because when this word gets to working in your life, you're going to begin to see great changes. If either one of those is you on the count of three, throw that hand up. And I mean throw it up proudly because we're going to put something in that hand. If you need to become a believer, rededicate yourself. One, two, three. If that's you, throw that hand up. Hallelujah. 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 Somebody celebrate. Somebody on the internet campuses. Somebody celebrate. Everybody said this. We say, Father, I am in this place because I am supposed to change the world. I've been connected to this man of God. Point at me. Point at me. Point at me. 
point at me. Say, for such a time as this, together we are an unbeatable team. It's our job to change this city. It's our job to change this region. We believe that as we accept this assignment with joy, you're going to expedite things for us. Things are going to begin to move quickly for us. We're not here to take sides. We're here to take over. We're here to end homelessness. We're here to feed and clothe the hungry. We're here to heal the brokenhearted. We're here to let people know that there is a church that won't judge them and put them down, but will love them into change. We are here to change the world. If you believe that, give God a shout. I said give God a shout. Give God a shout. Experiences are what people love the most about travel. That's why they love Viator. They have over 300,000 bookable experiences and something for everyone. Plus, their travel experiences have millions of real traveler reviews, so you have the information you need to book the best activities for your trip. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app, over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator. Experiences are what people love the most about travel. Viator is a website and app where you can book travel experiences like hiking Mount Kilimanjaro in Tanzania or enjoying the views while cruising on a catamaran in the Caribbean. They offer everything from simple tours to extreme adventures. With over 300,000 bookable experiences in 190 countries, there's something for everyone. Plus, Viator's travel experiences have millions of real traveler reviews, so you have the information you need to book the best activities for your trip. When you book a travel experience with Viator, there's always flexibility and support with free cancellation, payment options, and 24-7 service. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10. That's V-I-A-T-O-R-10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app, over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator.